0: Hi, I'm Melissa Benoist, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. The CW sets crossover dates. Melissa Benoist wins an award. And we examine Supergirl justice. This is Supergirl Radio. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Carly Lane. And for this episode of the podcast, we are joined by Ian Boucher to deliberate the ways Supergirl has commented on the criminal justice system. So welcome back to Supergirl Radio, Ian.
1: It's great to be back. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. uh, Listeners from way back in season zero will recognize Ian for uh, coming on and and speaking with us about some of the Supergirl comics that we were reading through. So it's been a little while since you've been on Supergirl Radio, but uh, we are definitely glad to have you. Back and to talk about such an important uh subject. So uh we look forward to talking about that with you. But before we do, we need to catch up on
2: the news. Dates and times for the CW crossover event for this season's DC TV shows have officially been announced. On Monday, November 27th, the Supergirl episode of the crossover will air at the show's regular time at 8-7 Central followed by a special one-time Monday broadcast of Arrow at 9, 8 Central. On Tuesday, November 28th, The Flash will air at 8, 7 Central, followed by DC's Legends of Tomorrow at 9, 8 Central.
0: Carly, how do you feel about Arrow and Supergirl being paired up on Monday night? What are your thoughts on that?
2: They're not good thoughts. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like really,
2: Arrow? Mm. I mean, at least Supergirl's the lead in. That's I feel confident about that. But then I'm I'm going to be like, well, I guess I have to watch Arrow again. <laughs> I haven't watched it since the hundredth episode that was part of the last crossover. <laughs> so. It'll be interesting. I'll, I don't, I'll be like, I don't know what's happening with any of these characters. <laughs> Oliver's probably still grumpy. Uh, per as per usual. And honestly, I'm, actually really behind on legends too by like a full season so supergirl and flash are the only shows i'm current on right now so uh, i got some catching up to do i think before the crossover
0: yeah i i think the last time well no that's a lie i did watch the arrow 100th episode and then i watched the episode that might have come right after that it was very soon after that when they were like katie cassidy's coming back as black siren and everybody was like yay (laughs) and then she uh came on the episode and they uh destroyed her black uh Laurel Lance's black canary legacy and I was like I'm out. I'm out. You had another chance. I'm out. <laughs> so I haven't been watching Arrow since then uh but it's it's funny to me that Supergirl and Arrow got paired up because in the crossover with the Invasion crossover Supergirl and Green Arrow didn't really get along because Oliver like you said was being really grumpy and he sidelined her and that was a big mistake because if you need somebody to stop a bomb the supergirls a really good person to do that uh, so i think uh, it, i think it's i think it's interesting that supergirl and arrow have been paired up and i wonder if do you think that i'm i'm assuming that those two shows will cross over with each other i don't know how that's going to work do you think that like arrow people will be in the supergirl episode i
2: would assume that all people from all the shows are going to be in all the shows. Like it's just going to, but the storyline is just going to start. Like it'll technically I feel like it'll technically just be one big four part story.
0: Hopefully it'll be uh four parts and not 3.75 parts. It wasn't
2: even 0.75 last time. It was like point. Zero zero one. <laughs> so the last it was like the last five seconds of Supergirl, and they're like, oh, time to jump through the portal.
0: I think they've learned their lesson from last time. And, and really it was they just needed to p- put those dark days into the show schedule. So I think they will have that uh, covered for this year. So I'm looking forward to that. That is in November, November twenty seventh. So that's when all that fun stuff begins. Well, and in additional news, actor Carlos Bernard will be guest starring on Supergirl in season three, playing Oscar Rodas, a cop and Maggie Sawyer's father. So, uh, Carly, what are your thoughts on this news? The name sounded familiar, and then I
2: looked him up and realized I know him from 24. Yep. Uh, He played Tony Almeida on 24, and I loved him on that show, even though I'm pretty sure he got, like... Pretty dark towards the end.
0: He turned into a bad guy, if I remember correctly.
2: Yeah, didn't he go bad? I feel like he did. He started out working for CTU and then he he was working with Jack Bauer and then I don't know, something happened. But I'm excited because this means we get more Maggie backstory. Uh we've we've gotten some allusion to her family before in season two. So now that we're heading into another season and also, potentially getting some more Alex Maggie stuff because there was also the big proposal in the finale. It sounds yes. like her dad's coming to town, so gonna gonna meet her. Hopefully, her hopeful for fiance. She didn't say yes when Alex proposed to her. They cut away before an answer. <laughs> uh, my feeling is, if her dad's in town, though, it probably means they're getting ready to get hitched or something. But. We'll see what happens. Could be drama.
0: Yeah, that seems seems like a good guess. I, I think it's cool that it seems like Maggie is a second generational, uh, second generation cop. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think we knew that already, did we? I don't think so. That's, I think that sh- seems she, like new information. Yeah. No, she talked about her family
2: uh, coming from a small town or something, but I don't, I don't think that. Uh, that she mentioned her dad was caught, as far as I know. Listeners can correct us if we're not remembering
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll have to dig into my endless amount of notes, but I don't think we knew that information, so that, that's good to know. That's kind of a cool little bit of information. Blake Neely,
2: music composer for Supergirl, has announced that the Super Soundtracks will be released on October 10th.
0: And the tweet doesn't specifically say that... The soundtracks include Supergirl, but the fact that it uses super soundtracks, I'm assuming it's a Supergirl soundtrack, along with probably The Flash and Arrow and Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, so we'll, we'll have to look out for that on October 10th.
2: They did say, uh, and I guess somebody asked him in his in, on Twitter if the songs from the musical uh, were going to be released in physical form, because I, I mean, they're out already and if you download them on iTunes and stuff, but I guess they're not going to be released as part of these physical soundtracks so if you want the stuff from the musical crossover you you're just gonna have to download them on itunes or listen on spotify or something
0: well and in more season three news uh kevin smith will be will be returning to supergirl to direct the fifth episode of season three this will be his third directorial effort on the show uh, so, Ian, I actually would uh, like your thoughts on this because I know you're a big fan of uh, Kevin Smith, the you know uh, Jay and Silent Bob films. Uh, so, what do you think about Kevin Smith uh, directing his third episode of Supergirl?
1: I think it's really exciting. It, it it'll be great to see his work progress. Like the 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 more he works within that universe,
0: he did uh, Supergirl Lives. Uh, what was the other one he did? Is it the Martian Chronicles maybe?
2: Supergirl lives in Distant Sun. I knew I Distant, distant Sun, sun. yeah. The one the one with this the solar bomb or whatever it is that I like so much. Where they're on the where they're on the planet with the red sun.
0: I knew it was something otherworldly. It was not an Earth related.
1: Supergirl Lives was the one where they're on the the distant planet.
0: Uh, yeah, I think that's Slaver's Moon. Yeah. So he, he seems to be getting a lot of the uh, extraterrestrial uh, off-planet episodes. So I I don't know if that will continue with his third episode. But uh, yeah, I think he's done some good work on Supergirl. And people seem to, the actors and the cast seem to like the way he does things. Because I think he, he gives them uh, like candy or toys or something as like positive reinforcement. Which seems like a really <laughs> fun way to go about it. Uh, so I, I think that is uh, something for everyone to look forward to. In more news,
2: Melissa Benoist won a Teen Choice Award for Choice Action TV Actress. Try saying that five times fast.
0: That is <laughs> that is quite the uh, category. And uh, she was there to accept that. And uh, she got her surfboard. And she was there with Grant Gustin. Um, so, And she was there. Also, there was a big, giant panda bear. I'm not really sure what the panda bear has to do with the surfboard. Uh, that doesn't seem like that goes together but uh you know more and more power to you teen choice awards but congratulations to melissa on winning that award uh, it's always good to see when supergirl wins an award for being awesome and espe- especially for melissa's performance because she definitely is uh, a great actress and performer on the show And before we wrap up the news section of this episode, we would like to remind everyone that Supergirl, the complete second season, is now available on Blu-ray and DVD. In addition to all 22 episodes, the set will include the 2016 Comic-Con panel, a conversation with Andrew Kreisberg and Kevin Smith, the Supergirl Lives audio commentary with Andrew Kreisberg and Kevin Smith, as well as features called Supergirl Alien Fight Night, Aliens Among Us, and Did You Know Facts for Fans. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. I haven't gotten it yet, but I'm really hoping the Facts for Fans includes maybe a snapper car uh, bit of trivia, which I'll be really disappointed if it doesn't. But maybe I'll <laughs> learn something in uh, the Facts for Fans. All right, well, I think that's going to uh, wrap up the news, so let's get into our discussion for this episode of Supergirl Radio, which is focused on how Supergirl, the TV series, handles justice. This is the start of a two-part series that we're going to do this summer, and this first part will be about justice, and our second part will be about what happens when that concept is inverted in the DC Universe. So that's a little hint as to, we're going to talk about justice for this episode, and then maybe another part of that word you know that you could maybe fool around with with you know how to say justice <laughs> I, I don't know if that's if i'm giving it enough hints uh, for that, but we'll be talking about the other kind of justice uh, next time around. So th- for this episode, we're going to be talking about justice. So Ian, uh, before we get started talking about how Supergirl uh, comments on justice, what sparked your interest in the, the idea of superhero justice specifically?
1: Yeah, well, it all started in 2008, thanks to a good friend of mine who told me about the real life concept of restorative justice, where moderators sit down with victims, offenders, and other people who have been impacted by a crime and try to help communities overcome the crime. So at the time, my friend and I talked about how Sandman and Spider-Man 3 related to this concept. But the topic kind of went on the back burner for me until 2014, when I read my very first Wonder Woman comic, which was a trade paperback of Gail Simone's The Circle. And I was just completely blown away by Wonder Woman's philosophy of pursuing harmony and how it was implemented as a superhero book. And this made me think, why isn't Wonder Woman's philosophy more well-known or widespread in culture? And this led eventually to the book of essays that you and I worked on about being more self-aware about the justice of the heroes that we celebrate.
0: Yeah, so uh, if listeners don't know, I have talked about it on the podcast before, but uh, I contributed a little essay uh, for a book that Ian put together called Humans and Paragons, uh, Essays on Superhero Justice. Uh, so that was the first time that I had really, uh, Ian, when we worked together doing that, that I had really thought about this kind of stuff. Uh, so uh, you mentioned restorative justice. So can you talk yeah. a little bit more about what that is? Is that something that is implemented by like the legal system or uh the courts or is that something that's done outside of that
1: well according to my friend it could take different forms like so it's it can be used as an intervention at um different levels at different points in the justice system so sometimes before a crime's been committed sometimes the police might refer someone to a facilitator instead of issuing a charge and sometimes it could be uh, be implemented from court as as part of a sanction and and also from what i understand it's awarded as an opportunity when certain conditions are met like the offender needs to take responsibility and the victims also need to be willing to participate so that's that's my understanding of it. Like, it can take different forms, but the key thing is that you're not just locking people up to solve the problem. You're trying to get the parties involved together to try to be able to heal and move
0: on. That's really interesting because I don't think we hear about that much. I think we, no. you know, especially like on TV, we'll, we'll see, you know, Law and Order, they get the bad guy, they put him in jail. Uh, so we don't hear much about restorative justice. Um, so... In in terms of just superhero justice, let's talk about Supergirl. What episodes or storylines of the show do you think has delved into this issue of justice in a, in a good way?
1: There are so many fascinating ways that the show has delved into the concept of justice. One thing I really like about Supergirl, the show in general, is that it tries to balance... The main characters and the drama that they're going through, but also with the people that they're serving and the and the society that they're a part of. It's not just you're not just watching the drama of who's breaking up with who this week. Like they they actually try to make an effort to talk about different elements in in these superheroes' lives. So, in the season two episode Exodus, um, Alex has to remember to focus not just on her father Jeremiah, but on the alien victims of cadmus and alex also has to deal with the methods that she uses because at one point she's beating up a prisoner so she's torturing a prisoner and uh another episode that i wrote down is supergirl lives cuz that episode is all about staying focused on the people impacted by crime cuz car is like sometimes i feel like i'm just defending jewelry and and not people and that whole episode is about people and Another thing I really like is how there are so many characters trying to facilitate harmony with each other, whether they're superheroes or not. So you have Alex in season two trying to create closure for Maggie and her ex-girlfriend. You have Wynne with Silver Banshee and Lyra, who both have complex motivations for what they do. And I think Wynne even says about Lyra, she has potential as a contributing member of society, even though he's kind of joking to try to get her as part of (laughs) The, the Guardian team, but um, there's the alien registration by the government and the profiling and deportation that Cadmus is imposing on aliens in season two. And I thought that was really interesting, but two of my favorite episodes dealing with justice in a really good way are human for a day and truth justice in the American way from season one. So And human for a day, Kara not only keeps fighting to be a hero despite losing her powers, but she also inspires a robber by looking into his eyes, even though she doesn't have any powers, but, you know, he doesn't know that. And she's able to, without force, make him aware of what he's doing and understand that that's not him. And, like she says, I know that you're going to choose to be a better man. And I thought that was a really great episode in terms of justice and also truth justice in the American way that's awesome because it's all about exploring Supergirl's values because she's holding Maxwell Lord captive without due process, a trial or accountability at the DEO and then you have James Olsen and while he's talking to Supergirl they're surrounded by guns nice little bit of mise-en-scene there for you cinema fans out there but he's saying that hey, nobody's saying that Lord's a good guy, but James really underlines the importance of the justice system in pro- protecting and respecting human rights. And I think the Master Jailer is a perfect villain for Kara in that episode. You know, you got to have a good villain. Uh, kind of like in Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man just wants what he wants, but Doc Ock is the dark side of that coin of what happens when you're just pursuing what you want without thinking about anybody else. So the master jailer is a great villain in that regard because he's just locking people up. And the, the main prisoner in that episode is someone who responded to family tragedy by getting into drug dealing and Kara lets him go since he served his time and is a good citizen. And, and he also says that he learned that I think he says one tragedy cannot be undone by committing another. Um, Although I will say that I hope Kara let him go in conjunction with the DEO and not just saying, yeah, sure, go ahead. And I think that the episode in season two of with with Parasite does that really well because he is fighting for a good cause, but he's going about it in the wrong way. and And in that episode, you sort of see the opposite side of things where Supergirl tries to give him a chance, but you know. He doesn't take that chance.
0: Yeah, I think that happens with Supergirl uh, quite a bit. She will yeah. try to talk to the bad guy or the villain or whoever she's up against, and try to uh, communicate with them and try to understand them through her words before she throws a punch. Although it's it's in within it's it's within Supergirl's trade sometimes to punch first, uh, right. but but most of the time. Uh, When she's thinking clearly and and acting like a hero, she will try to uh, talk them down first. And you see that uh, with, you know, Parasite and and, uh, some of those other uh, bad guys you mentioned. Um, I I do think that the show does a really good job of kind of dealing with these issues. And I I thought it was interesting that you mentioned Human for a Day. That would not have been one that I would have thought about. Would you... um, would you consider that uh, the the moment when she talks the guy down with the gun would you would you consider that restorative justice
1: i think it's reminiscent of it i i don't think it's particularly restorative justice cuz she doesn't seem to include the store owner in the c- oh, conversation yeah. and obviously a real life restorative justice situation wouldn't have people like at the actual bank robbery but it is reminiscent of it because she she tries to understand the guy while at the same time making him aware of the action that he's committing.
0: Um Carly, uh since Ian spoke a little bit about truth justice in the American way, um do you have any thoughts about that um because I don't think you and I talked about that. I think Teresa was still on the podcast for that episode, so I never actually got your thoughts about that episode do you do you have any thoughts about the way justice was handled handled in that episode that's all that's a really interesting
2: one for me too because it 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 delves into a lot of kryptonian backstory and we get a lot more information about the people that had were sentenced to fort ross like master jailer was sentenced by kara's mother um because uh didn't don't they call her like she's an adjudicator or something?
0: That's correct.
2: Is that the well, name that they call her? Yep.
1: Well and Master Jailer was actually um a guard there. Like that he was very passionate and proud of Kara's mother. Like he was he he, he was like saying very good things about Alora to Kara.
0: Yeah, I, I I had always kind of assumed that he worked for her, almost like almost like Facet Carly um, mm-hmm. in Adventures of Supergirl. I think that's uh, kind of sim- a similar relationship.
2: That's right. Oh no, I got it confused. The professor is the one who was sentenced, and yeah. Master Jailer is the one that actually worked. Um, but he kind of exercises his own form of justice by basically capturing and killing all the escapees from Fort Roz, you know, which leads to an interesting, I think it leads to an interesting debate, especially when I think Carr is also kind of forced to look at her own tactics and the tactics of the DEO, because she's been aligning herself with them, you know, since the beginning of the season, kind of mm-hmm. begrudgingly forced into a relationship with them, but then also becoming a little bit less, uh, Less like frictiony, um, and so James calls her out on it, which I think is great. James is somebody who comes in as an outsider and is like, you know, you're kind of sidestepping the justice system, you know, on earth, and there's no accountability here because the DEO is this clandestine organization that doesn't really answer to anybody but is also kind of under the government, like, it's, it's like it's it. They've never really made it completely clear over the two seasons. Like, like the president knows about them, but they kind of operate outside of her jurisdiction a little bit. Like it's black ops, but it's also, I don't know. It's a kind of it's a weird gray area. I think for the show that they haven't really ever gotten around to completely defining. Even now, I feel like most of the time they just kind of end end up becoming like a glorified prison for aliens but it's a good episode for sure because i feel like you have master jailer who kind of regards as like you know oh he's exercising his own his own form of justice upon these escapees and like but then she also has to take a good hard look at what she's doing and who she's kind of aligning herself with and how having all the power and the authority to really apprehend people. Like, what do you do? Are they entitled to a fair trial? And Like, what does that look like? And, or are you just going to throw them in a holding cell for an infinite amount of time until someone orchestrates an
0: escape, which happens. (laughs) (laughs) It does happen. (laughs) Yeah. I think the master jailer, he, you know, he was only in one episode, but I think he gave, Kara a way to look in the mirror a little bit, uh, because I think in some ways she, Supergirl, she as Supergirl was sort of acting like Master Jailer a little bit. Now he was executing criminals. You know, he had like a guillotine that he was using and he was was going to kill and execute uh, all the criminals that he uh, was going after. And and Supergirl, although in the episode I'm not quite sure if supergirl kills master jailer at the end or if she just knocks him out it's really unclear it's kind of brushed to the side she like grabs his neck and throws him down i'm like is he dead nobody talked about him afterwards i'm not really sure what (laughs) happened uh so (laughs) i don't know in terms of justice if that would be something to talk about did supergirl murder him i don't know uh but i think master jailer served as a way for Cara to see what it would be like if she acted like that if she just went out either on her own or on behalf of the DEO and didn't abide by the rules of earth didn't abide by the United States of America legal system uh you know and and dealt with the criminal justice system if she just kind of acted as a vigilante and did her own thing she would be in some ways master jailer so I think uh that episode really was. I mean, justice is in the title, so uh, all all three of those aspects of truth, justice, in the in the American way are, are discussed um, in pretty uh, good detail in that episode. And I think that's a, a really good uh, look into that concept uh, on on Supergirl because it really does make a lot of the characters think about what they're doing. James has to have a really Serious conversation with Kara about what that means to keep Maxwell down there. And (laughs) I was even rewatching the episode and I forgot about how Cat Grant knew that Maxwell Lord was missing. And she I I think she was going to, you know, send out an APB or something. So, you know, his presence was uh, was his missing presence i guess was noticed by the public by people who knew him and so you can't just like kidnap somebody and make him make people who know him wonder where he is like oh he disappeared off the face of the planet where did he go so I think that the D.E.O. and Kara, especially as Supergirl, had a lot to think about with that episode. And uh, I think it does a really good job of really digging into talking about values and um, what what we hold as, you know, human rights and um, and respecting those rights um, and and wanting to be uh, make that part of who you are and who you are as a hero and who you are as a human being or or as an alien in in the United States of America. Uh so I think that that episode does uh, does indeed do a good job. And um Ian, you had mentioned Alex uh when you were talking about uh, examples on the show. Uh what role do you think Alex plays in all of this? Like she's a she's an agent of the DEO, uh but she she seems to have to follow some rules, but like you said she, sometimes she gets out of control. Sometimes she'll she'll get emotional and and maybe get too into it and beat some people up. Well, what do you what do you think her her role in terms of justices on the show.
1: Oh, that is a very good question. I, I think her role sort of touches on a variety of different things. I feel like in season two there were a lot of moments where she had to rein herself in and be more and, and try to stay more focused and on task. But on the other hand, she provided a lot of a lot of insight for other people, and she's definitely a very good agent. Like surviving in that tank of water. That was awesome. Yes. Um, I mean, not like you would want to be in a tank of water, but like (laughs) from like an action standpoint, that I thought that was really well done. I really feel like, though, in season two, there were a lot of moments where she had to be more thoughtful about what she was doing within her organization.
0: Would you consider uh, the DEO law enforcement? I think it's safe to say that, like, the National City Police Department, that's law enforcement. Would you also consider the DEO part of that system?
1: Yeah. I, I mean, it's it's trying to keep other people safe and enforce laws. But uh, there are a lot of—I I think DEO, to me, represents a lot of current issues that we as a society need to think about. Like, I think one thing that the show kind of takes for granted a lot of times— Or it just doesn't really touch on all the time is the surveillance, the hacking, the killing that they do. I remember there was a part in Supergirl Lives where Wynn knocks out an alien with a rock. And I don't know if the alien died or not. And he's like, hey, everyone, I'm badass. And and as the audience, you're like, hey, Wynn's badass. But then you're like, wait, did he just kill that guy? Am I supposed to laugh at that? And then there's the mind wipes that they do, like Martian Manhunter. In season one, he wasn't doing it that much, but in season two, he's like, I'll mind wipe this person. Uh, So that's not as much of a current issue nowadays, but not that I'm aware of, not that I would be aware of if I were mind wiped.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you wouldn't remember.
1: No. But in terms of the surveillance and, and the hacking and the killing that they do and not knowing really exactly who they report to, That's what it represents to me, those questions that those present, those things present.
0: Carly, do you think that Martian Manhunter should be doing that kind of stuff? Like, as as a member of an organization, like Ian said, is is trying to protect people? Should he be wiping people's minds? I think that happened at the end of Alex, if I remember correctly. He did it to uh, Rick Malvern um, because he was just a bad guy, so nobody's... Nobody's uh, going to judge him for that, I guess. But do you think he should uh, be doing that kind of thing? Or or should that be something that's sort of off limits?
2: Yeah, because I remember in season one, there was an episode where he went too far. And didn't he did he kill the guy? Or did the guy just completely go crazy or something? Something oh, happened. I don't remember. It was like right before the Bizarro. Yeah. Right before the Bizarro episode, he sneaks into Lord... The Lord Technology. I don't know the name of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maxwell Wolf's building, and yeah. he tries to wipe the mind of a security guard or something, and it, and he loses control, or he he underestimates how strong his ability is, and the guy there's some serious repercussions from it. Yeah. um My feeling is, if he wants to use his abilities on other aliens especially i think isn't there there's an episode where there there's another mind reading alien and he they have like some sort of weird mind meld battle yeah. yes <laughs> so like in that instance where it's almost like a defensive technique and he's kind of just trying to either get information or like something that would isn't going to harm anyone i i don't see the problem with that like it's almost like he's a he's a walking lie detector test in some way but Mm -hmm. the mind wipe thing is a little more tricky especially when you're doing it to a normal person like a human it's like it's almost like forced it's not even like rehabilitation it's like yeah it's like forced therapy or something i don't know how i feel about that but i mean i'm like i'm glad that the guy's not going to be around to stalk alex anymore but right (laughs) i felt like it was to me that's almost like a lazy way of of writing you know finishing the episode like wrapping things up oh we're gonna have martian manhunter mind melt the guy mind wipe the guy so that we can just get rid of the problem yeah in our story and like you're not really thinking about the long-term repercussions also the fact that he's kind of struggled with using his powers for both seasons so far and sometimes it feels like they throw in his powers or they dampen his powers for the story, but then it doesn't make sense. Cause you're like, why would he have some of it be able to do some of this sometimes and not others. And so I honestly, that strikes me more as lazy writing.
0: Yeah. I think it is a, a convenient way out of something for sure. And I, it did make me feel a uh, slightly uncomfortable with that situation. When, uh in that episode, Alex, uh, just because it it seemed like it was stepping a little too far with that situation so in in that I, I think I, I don't know if that's I don't know if that would be justice because you're you're violating someone else's memories and violating someone's you know kind of their inner being and I, I don't I don't know how I, how I feel about that that seems like it's going uh, pretty far uh, so the DEO, I, I think has has a lot of issues that they have to uh, deal with on a daily slash episode basis, uh, in terms of justice and what to do with criminals. Um, Ian, I I wanted to ask you about what you thought about, uh, the multiple vigilantes that we now have on Supergirl. We have Guardian, uh, we have, we had Monel for a little bit, uh, even when i think when and lyra you could put them on in uh, like you said team guardian uh and and supergirl really is is a vigilante as well she's um sort of operating outside of the law unless you want to count the do in there um so what what how do you think the show is handling uh vigilante action in terms of them operating outside of the law or do you think that they are cooperating enough with like the NCPD or the DEO that they are sort of acting within their, their legal, uh, um, the legal system.
1: Well, I, I do have some ideas about like, or some opinions about how I think the stuff is implemented. But as far as the vigilantism itself, it's, it's very unclear because James kind of has a free pass to kind of walk into the DEO whenever he wants. and, I, I remember once, uh, Jean says to him, oh, if we need you, if we need guardian skill set, then we'll, we'll make sure that you're involved. And it's, it's sort of, it's sort of like who, who did, who's guardian working for? Who's he reporting to? Is the police, is the justice system in national city so bad that he needs to do that? I mean, apparently it is. Cause like, apparently they go on many, uh, Jobs each night. So I don't feel like the lines with Guardian are completely clear enough. With Supergirl, I do think that there are a lot of interesting things that it does with her as a character. There's the episode I think it is the episode Alex, when Supergirl interrupts uh, Maggie's in the middle of like delicate hostage negotiation, and Supergirl just flies in in there. And I, I feel like she w- works really well with law enforcement most of the time. Um, but that that episode, of course, was an instance when she had to think about how she was doing things.
0: Yeah, that episode is a really good one in terms of the Maggie character because mon even asked the question. You you were talking about, like, is National City so terrible <laughs> that their cops can't handle things? Um, and mon asked that question. He's like, what do we even need cops for in the city? And it's really offensive to Maggie because she she works really hard. She loves what she does, and um, and especially with that instance with the bank robbery that was going on, that Supergirl just kind of flew in, didn't consult them, and Ma- Maggie had it. She she thought she had it, you know, solved, and Supergirl swept in and um, caused a caused a kind of a a, a situation because. Um, this then became a thing that brought up the supergirl defense um what what they call it in uh the episode alex where the the supergirl defense is a thing this is the first time we hear about it on the show at the very very end of season 2 but i i don't know if this is going to be something that happens in the in the future but criminals can actually use the supergirl defense to uh use it uh to get their charges dropped so Um, They can claim that there was excessive force, that there was evidence contaminated by debris because Supergirl's all the time breaking through walls and (laughs) leaving Supergirl holes in buildings and um, that uh, vigilante justice is part of uh, what's going down. So this actually causes a legal problem. Supergirl is not only infringing upon what the cops are doing in the city, she's also making it difficult for uh, attorneys to... Uh, and judges, I guess, to to put bad guys away because they can get out of it using the Supergirl defense. So, what what do you think about that, Ian? Do you think that um, that that's what do you think about the Supergirl defense? Should they be able to? Should criminals be able to use that?
1: Yeah, I, well, I think it's definitely a realistic response to if to as if a superhero actually existed. And I think it would be cool if the show explored that more, like if Supergirl had to wear like a body camera or something like that (laughs) to make sure her actions are accountable and also gives her an opportunity to reflect on what she's doing and help her be a better hero. And I think property damage could be something else that could be explored. I mean, there are other there are actually some comic book stories I've read where superheroes who are backed by the state have a certain amount of property damage covered
0: uh, it, it,
1: by the city and like when they're fighting crime, I, I so I I think that the Supergirl defense is definitely a realistic response, and I I do think it's a fair response. Although I don't think it would necessarily fly, no pun intended, if <laughs> it turned out that Supergirl was being very mindful of her actions and and was holding herself accountable already so she could say oh well this this criminal is this defense isn't going to stand in this case because look I was doing everything by the book
0: Carly what do you think about Supergirl as a vigilante Uh, because we don't really talk about that as much in those terms Uh, We, I think we normally talk about Supergirl as, you know, uh, as a, as a member of the DEO and sort of an employee there, but do you think she is a vigilante and, and what do you think about that?
2: See, I, I always feel like for me personally, I consider somebody to be a vigilante if they're not really cooperating with local law enforcement. And we've seen Supergirl work with National City PD time and time again, whereas like Guardian, I would argue is more of a vigilante because he tends to just, listen a police scanner, go and apprehend criminals and then leave them tied up mm-hmm. for the cops to come and pick them up. But he's not really coordinating any kind of strategy with cops or detectives or whatever, where, you know, we kind of start to see more of a cooperation between the DEO and, and local police, especially in season two when Maggie shows up and then, you know, you have the whole Alex Maggie relationship <laughs> starting because they both show up at the same crime scene. Um, so you know, I, I think I think over the past two seasons, she's she's started to kind of work more in league with the cops. So like if something happens, she'll show up and and Maggie will say something like, "Oh, those people need help or like the the building's gonna collapse, Supergirl, and then she'll like fly off to go. So she's kind of almost taking direction from cops sometimes or like figuring out like trying to get a sense of what they need so they can both protect people. So I don't know if I would say she's a vigilante. She might have started out that way, especially when she was kind of coming out of hiding and revealing her powers after kind of flying under the radar, no pun intended. (laughs) But I would say, in my opinion, James as Guardian is more of a vigilante than Supergirl is a vigilante.
0: Yeah, Alex is a really interesting episode to talk about this subject uh, because in it when they talk about the supergirl defense they talk about how kara has broken a guy's arm and gave another one a concussion and she she knocked in the roof of a national city landmark so she's causing property damage and she's uh causing physical harm to these people she's apprehending so uh what do you think about that carly do you think do you think maybe maggie's right that supergirl should maybe go after the parasites and the live wires and leave the 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 rick malverns uh, to the national city police department yeah i i feel like alex as an episode it's an uncommon
2: story because we don't really see supergirl going up against normal people a lot of the time or if they if it is someone who's non-powered they tend to be backed by a huge organization like lillian luther but yeah like or they have you know superpower people at their fingertips literally like doing their bidding um so and, and in the and in the case of Alex when she had literally just swooped in during a hostage negotiation, which I think didn't Maggie say she'd been there for like eighteen hours or yeah, something. Yeah, a long time. Yep. Like like trying to talk these people down as a as a hostage negotiator. That's one of the kind of things where it's like, Well, did we even really need a superhero to intervene? Or was it just Kara being like, I can help and then swooping in there? <laughs> and and i think again that's like that's part of her growth as a character too is learning that maybe they don't need her for to literally apprehend everyone like maybe she can just go <laughs> or even like the episode when superman shows up and they and they like bat around those two bank robbers yeah and they're just kind of like screwing around <laughs> it's like uh, even everybody at the DEO was like, uh, "What are you guys doing?" Like <laughs> walking in, they were walking in the DEO all pleased with themselves, and everyone just like, "What are you guys doing?" Like, so it's the kind of thing where it's like, well, maybe, maybe certain threats need to be, only be met with a certain level of, you know, strength. Like we're not going to need a Kryptonian superhero to apprehend just a normal person, unless there's some kind of I don't know, super natural element involved, or something where it's there's something, and there's something involved, like an alien gun or they're using technology that they're taking advantage of technology that's empowers them in some way to be kind of more superhuman,
1: and I also think it's important to think about. I feel like if Maggie thought that the people that the, if the hostages were in danger she would have been doing something else. It sounded like she was getting close to actually reaching the criminals to to try to get them to stop what they were doing and realize what they were doing. And a key question is does Supergirl's intervention help the criminals or does it just get them locked up?
0: Yeah, I I think that's such a fine line for Supergirl to uh i want to say walk but say it in a like a really punny way but i can't think of anything <laughs> at this point uh but she she has to consider these things sometimes um and i, I i'm sure that's that's got to be tough for her because she always wants to help she knows she can do things and she wants to help but um but i think alex was a great episode where she she did have a lot to learn i think you're right carly that she she did have to uh think about these things a little more about when she should step in and and what what she needs to do in terms of letting other people do their jobs um and i know we've talked about supergirl a lot and and some of the the deo and and guardian and some of these other vigilantes and and how they do things as as superheroes and as as secret agents. Um, But I was curious, Ian, do you think that Kara, as a journalist, as a blobber, um, can she do anything about uh, achieving justice through uh, what she's writing at at CatCo?
1: Yeah, I absolutely think that she can. And and that's one issue that I had with the whole Guardian storyline. I feel like season two for a time was trying to say that you have to be literally in a costume fighting crime to fight crime, like when at one point was like, "Oh, fight with knowledge." But then James is like, "Oh, well, I'm hiding behind my camera." And and I don't think that journalists who cover anything are hiding behind their cameras, like especially like if you go to like an armed conflict or something like that. And I think also when the, the episode with James and and the psychic kid Marcus. I think that was really a really good way to show a different way that you could pursue justice. So I think that Kara, as a journalist can certainly do arguably a lot more things than what a normal superhero could do. Like guardian can swoop in and beat up a drug dealer, but how much more could he do if he were trying to cover the larger network of things that is going on in the press? And mm-hmm. I really enjoyed Kara's storyline with Snapper Carr over the season with Snapper not just helping her deal with objectivity to learn about pursuing the truth and caring about it, but but just sort of showing giving the audience an idea of the impact that the that being a journalist can have. Like obviously in real life you wouldn't want to hire Somebody like Kara, who hasn't gone to um, hasn't been educated in journalism, you know, but it it's a great way to give viewers an idea about the process. And also, as a superhero fan, I think it's really fun to see Supergirl using powers that can aid her in finding the truth. But I, I think she's done a lot of good as a journalist even when she became a blobber briefly and was, I enjoyed that quite a bit, how when she warned all the the registered aliens about what Cadmus was doing and I'm trying to think of a, one of the other big stories from the season, but I, I feel like she's, she's achieved a lot of good through being a journalist. And I think it's very important for the audience to see the different ways that people can work together and do good as a society. Because uh, um, you have Supergirl, whether she's talking to Maggie or Snapper Carr, you have a superhero reacting to institutions and vice versa. And, oh, another thing I really liked with Supergirl as a journalist, when Carr was fighting against the news cycle, when Lana Luther gets framed and everybody's like, Lena Luther's bad, just forget about it. She was the only one that was trying to make them think outside the box. And ultimately, later on in the sh- series, says, when I write, I don't need a yellow sun. It's just me. So she she empowers herself and the audience at the same time.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting thing to bring up. I I wasn't as crazy about the way she handled the Lena story because it, it was almost like she was trying to hide the truth because... Lena was her friend, and she right. she didn't want the story right. to get out because she says, you know, once it's out there, it's out there. And she brings up Macaulay Culkin and and all this kind of stuff. But <laughs> I, but I, that was one of the instances where I was like, Kara, you're not telling the truth. You're not you're not wanting to get the the real story out there, and you should be ashamed of yourself. Uh, but she was sticking up for her friend, so I'll, I'll give her uh, those points. And and the thing about the Luthers. Uh, that I think is really interesting in terms of the idea of justice is that Lillian says in, I think it's that same episode, Luther's, she says the public wants to believe the narrative that they expect from us, that... Luthers are evil and we don't get second chances and we get to see Lillian Luther at her trial and, and what that would look like if a a Luther was put on trial and uh, she, she escapes, she gets out of it. She doesn't, you know, because of the circumstances with Metallo and, and all of that, she, she does get away. And I, I think that the, the Luthers and second chances are, is maybe hopefully uh, going to play out th- more throughout the series in, in terms of Lena, uh, specifically. But I, I do think the uh, the fact that Kara had to have that dilemma on what she should do, I think I think that was good for her, her growth as a reporter. Carly, do you have any thoughts about uh, Kara trying to uh, achieve j- justice and and telling the truth and, and getting those stories out through her her blobbing skills? Do you have any thoughts on that?
2: Her blobbing, uh. <laughs> And, and, and you know, it's an interesting dilemma that I wish they had kind of delved into more in season two. Um, sometimes it felt like the journalism story took a backseat to other storylines that I wasn't as invested in. And I think she cares a lot about writing a good story. Sometimes she gets a story she's not as enthusiastic about. Like
0: the Pelicans. <laughs>
2: The poor I mean, that's the, the breaks, Cara. Sometimes we got to write about stuff we don't really want to. <laughs> she really let those pelicans down. <laughs> she really let those pelicans down. But, you know, I think even though Snapper was kind of a source of contention for her, he challenged her in a in a good way. Like, it was all because he wanted to make her a better journalist. Like, you need to investigate things and you need to, you know, he's, she, he's like, you know, you've got the gumption and it's annoying as all heck, but like channel that passion. And then you also have to make sure you're doing things in a smart way. And not, you know, I think it, Kara as a person, sometimes her heart gets a little ahead of her head. And so Snapper, I think snapper was always kind of just trying to remind her, like get the story, but like maybe don't necessarily put your feelings into it. You know, and then she would turn something in at the end and he would begrudgingly run it.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, but you know, she's interested in the truth and I think he respects that about her. Um, it's why she's willing to really kind of investigate what happens with Lena, even though everybody else wants to write her off right away. Um, but that's also part of who she is as a person. Like, she wants to see the good in people. And I think I think unless someone actually does something to prove her wrong, she's going to try and give someone the benefit of the doubt. Um, I think towards the end of season two, we got a little bit more of it. Like, um, the episode where she has to go to the press conference with, uh, oh my gosh, Alina's... Jack Spear. Jack Spears, yes. yes, she just she has a little bit of a journalism moment there, She's getting 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 her quotes. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, I again, like you can't use Supergirl as a source car. Come on, right? Have we talked about the ethics? I feel like we've talked about the ethics of this a, a little bit.
0: It too. Yeah,
2: it's a it's a problem. Those it, too. You can't. You can't use your alter ego as a source. There's that's unethical. At least give an interview. At least give an interview as Supergirl to a different reporter. It drives me crazy. Every time they do this on the show, every time I see it, I'm like there's it makes the it makes the journalist in me like cringe. I'm like, no, you can't use yourself.
1: And I keep thinking they're gonna talk about it too, but they never do.
2: They never do. And she's like, I got an exclusive interview with Supergirl. <laughs> <laughs> It's not an exclusive interview. It hurts me so much every time. Um, so yeah, hopefully they, if if they kind of explore more of that in season three, who knows? It seems like she might be kind of giving up on being Carl together. I don't know, because uh, doesn't she say in the trailer she was like. Doesn't she say Kara Danvers was a mistake or something yeah, like that? Yeah,
0: she uh, she's kind of down on her secret identity. So who knows if she's actually going to do any writing next
2: season? <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I guess that's the only thing. Sometimes
2: they definitely they would definitely stretch the ethics of quoting sources and interviewing <laughs> and interviewing your like superhero persona. But other than that, I think her heart's in the right place and she has a lot of enthusiasm and, and passion for it.
0: This topic is one of the, the ways that I wish the Supergirl show could learn from Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, because that show did a really good job, I think, in terms of uh, journalism and justice, where Superman would save the day, but Clark and Lois... Uh, But I'll use Clark um, specifically to kind of parallel him to Kara and and being the superhero, getting the justice. But Lois usually played a big part. Um, But Clark would get... I I always felt like he got the justice in Lois and Clark because he got that story, because he um, helped somebody in the community out and not necessarily because he did something heroic as Superman. And so, although that was important too, I'm I'm not going to... Uh, put that you know too much to the side but i think it, his job as a reporter was just as important as his costume job as superman and i wish supergirl would do more of that i i think that catco uh, w- whatever it is whether there's a magazine or a newspaper or a radio station whatever it is i wish that they would explore more of that about Kara getting getting justice achieving justice at the end of the day, through her stories. I think that would be really cool. And if James is going back into his photojournalism, like they um, talked about at San Diego Comic-Con this year, which I'm really excited about, I think that could be really a really cool aspect to interweave with Kara as a journalist, because... Uh, Ian, you brought up City of Lost Children um, in that episode where James is sort of questioning the Guardian thing. And he says, basically, all I'm doing is beating people up as Guardian. That's Mm -hmm. all. That's basically what I'm doing. And in that same episode, he talks about uh, the camera that he has that was used by Spider-Martin to document the civil rights movement. And those are the kinds of things that I wish that they would kind of channel more as CatCo employees, that they have the ability to uh do things to help other people through journalism and not necessarily as vigilantes or as superheroes um, so i i hope that the show uh tries to tell more of those kinds of stories that would be on my wish list anyway um ian do you have any other thoughts i know there's so much uh to talk about especially with supergirl about this topic of justice and the the criminal justice system and the legal system and uh, what superheroes can do versus their secret identities and and how prisons work. We didn't even really mention Fort Ross much or the DEO prisons um, and even how Livewire was sent to a human facility. Like what was that about? Livewire is a <laughs> is a being that can really uh, control the electricity and they thought they had her under control by putting her feet in the water but she uh, still managed to escape so some of those questions I'm like what are they thinking uh, but there's so much to cover in this this uh, this topic for supergirl um are there any other things that we missed that we didn't talk about that you wanted to bring up
1: yeah there were two there are two other things that I wanted to sort of hear both of your thoughts on one of them was a live wire for me I think it was a really interesting example of not only Supergirl trying to reach a villain in the end of the episode, but also a villain becoming victimized after they got captured. So like when Livewire's trying to kill the guy who was committing a crime against her, Supergirl says, we may not be allies, but I will punish him for you. And my, the thing that I'm thinking about is, even though Livewire concedes to Supergirl, she, she still doesn't seem to feel remorse for her her previous crimes and i got the kind of the feeling that she could become an anti-hero which you know anti-heroes are cool (laughs) but i feel like it could be more interesting or more fruitful for the exploration of justice and how the audience thinks about it if livewire has to have a situation at some point where she deals with her or has to accept the consequences or generally genuinely wants to be a better person before being let go. Did either of you have any thoughts about that?
2: I think Supergirl sees a little bit of her of herself in LiveWire, especially in the sense of like they're both young women. They both worked for Cat Grant. So I think they're not exactly the same, but there's there's kind of a there's kind of a subtle through line with both their characters. Like they're young women and they're you know, they have these powers and Supergirl went one way and Livewire went another way. And Kara, I think sometimes Kara wished she could, like, zap Cat Grant a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> especially, especially, in the, especially before they started having that, like, mentorship when she used to just boss her around all the time. Um, but I think she always kind of tried to appeal to to leslie as like another young woman like another young professional and she would you know she saw maybe kind of a kindred spirit in her a little bit in the sense of like there you know she was driven by her live was always kind of driven at least in the in her initial appearance you know she held a a little bit of a grudge against cat but i think supergirl was like that's that's something you can get past that's something that you know, there's the possibility for redemption, and I think she still believes that in season two. I think she still thinks that, especially when they team up against um, the scientist who basically kidnaps Livewire out of jail and tortures her, and is you know, they, they, he puts Livewire in the position of needing to be saved by mm-hmm. Supergirl, um, and so they team up together and I think she star Supergirl starts to see the potential for redemption. And so I think now she's convinced more than ever that there's a possibility for livewire to heal. And like like you were saying, Ian become kind of more of an antihero I think than a villain.
0: Yeah, I think there might be a little bit of guilt on Kara's part because Kara is the reason Leslie Willis turned into Livewire because of the, mm-hmm. the the lightning storm going through Supergirl that affected Leslie and made her what she is as Livewire. And so I think that Kara feels a... a I, I might be reading into this because I am not Kara Danvers or Kara Zor-El, so I don't know exactly how she feels. But... I think that there might be something inside her that feels guilty for being the reason that she's turned into this criminal who is, uh, who has hurt a lot of people who threatened the person she was, um, be being psychoanalyzed by in the facility she was being kept in. She threatened those people. She, um, uh, she wanted to do a lot of harm. She even says, you know, uh, she she says, do you know what power is? It's the feeling of somebody's life in your hands. And so I think Livewire, in some respects, thinks she's above the law, uh, that she has this power. And I I don't know, for Kara, I think that that would uh, not be a great feeling to know that you are res- sort of responsible for that person becoming what she is, um, who has caused all this damage. So I, I wonder sometimes if that's part of why, uh, in addition to the fact that Kara likes to have uh, uh, that, uh, what, what do they call it in the episode when she, when she's talking about how Superman has like a, a mortal enemy? Uh, why am I blanking on? A nemesis? A nemesis! Yes, that's the exact word I was looking for. So I think you know I, I think Kara likes have you know as Supergirl I think she likes having a nemesis <laughs> that she sees all the time. She she kind of has like a little banter with, but I think in I think underneath there, and I might be psychoanalyzing Kara a little bit, but I think she feels a certain responsibility for Livewire. And uh, so that's why I think she's got a little soft spot for her and and wanting her to see, you know, wanting to see her maybe turn to the good side at some point in the future. Uh, So I think Livewire is a really interesting case.
1: So the second thing that I was thinking about is in terms of the, the ultimate climax of the season, I feel like season two ended in a very disturbing and disappointing way in that, well, first I was a little bit disappointed that they didn't fully explore the conflict of Alex having to accept an order to push a button that could possibly kill Kara. But the, the main thing that I found let down about at the end of the season was not just Kara working with Cadmus, but how they utilize chemical warfare that could have an effect not just on their enemy, but on the earth itself, on the pelicans, as it were. Yes. And I felt like it was a situation where they wanted you to feel like that's the only way to do it. But I don't think that it was the right way to go, but that's just me not being Supergirl looking in on the situation. And I hope they explore that somewhat in Season 3, but I'm curious about both of your thoughts on that.
0: Carly, what are your thoughts about the uh, lead poisoning that they uh, dumped on all the Daxamites there at the end that that sort of came from Guardian's uh, tool set, but uh, they implemented on a, a, c- a citywide scale. What, what did you think about that? Yeah.
2: I, I'm also a little bit conflicted about that, honestly, because I feel like they were put in a situation where the Daxamites were just going to completely invade the planet. And it's like, what do you do? Mm-hmm. What do you do when you're facing like actual t- planet takeover? <laughs> I feel like it's yeah. almost an, it's it's kind of an impossible question, but I also feel like there's there's a lot of parallels to like nuclear warfare and like just dropping a bomb. It was because essentially what they did. Um, but what do you do, like in that in that situation, especially especially because I feel like. The president and everybody, they kind of tried to appeal to the Daxamites and negotiate with them. And then they were just like, no, nope, we're going to start murdering people. <laughs> like, We don't care how many people we have to kill to, to secure the planet. We're just going to start. It. Like they were murdering people in the streets. It was it was bad. So it's almost like to prevent greater loss, like some losses unavoidable. Like some death is unavoidable, but it's also kind of hypothetical because I don't think any kind of, I don't think any alien species is going to invade our planet anytime soon. Hopefully <laughs> so, not. Probably not. So it's, it's a tough, it's a tough, it's a tough moral dilemma, I think. Cause it's like, oh, we, we you know, we saved everyone, but we also just wiped out an entire alien race.
0: Yeah, it's definitely that uh, what's what's the best possible solution for the greatest, the greater good. Um, and I think you make a good point, Carly, that they did appeal to Queen Rhea several times, several, several times. And they used Cat Grant to do it, which should have been the clincher <laughs> that should have made <laughs> right? Queen Rhea should have been like, all right, we're going to stop stop this project we're, we're we're gonna stop down on this because Kat Grant has me vested uh he, she should have taken that cue uh to stop what she was doing but she kept going she still wanted to um go on with this plan of uh plan of invasion so I think that is a distinction that has to be made is that they tried to do something in in a way that could be peaceful for everyone and it was the Daxamites who rejected it. So I, that is a that is a real gray area, and it's it is something that I am also conflicted about. Uh, but I, I think that the show has actually put Supergirl in that situation twice now. Um, at the end of season one, Myriad is a similar situation where they oh, yeah. they don't know what to do about how, and before they come up with their plan of hey, let's give a speech about hope. That'll wake everybody up. Uh, which was a, a, a grand so, uh, solution. They they figured it out. Everybody was fine. It was all good. Uh, but before that, they have this conversation about, well, maybe we could lose, what was it, like 800,000 people? Maybe maybe we could lose some humans if, if we had to do this other thing. Maybe we could take a loss. And, and Cat Grant's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> uh, so I think that they, I think the show... Um, for all of its flaws because it does have some flaws especially in this area in this topic but i think one of the things it does well is that it pushes the characters to really have to deal with these kinds of things and i i applaud them for that because it is something that uh you know makes the audience think it makes uh makes the characters think and i I really do appreciate that and so supergirl with all her i guess with great power comes great responsibility she uh which i know is the wrong superhero for this analogy but she has that similar situation where she has a lot of power she's one of the most powerful beings on planet earth and she has this enormous responsibility of of these big decisions and how to handle this stuff so that's a really tough call what are your thoughts about that, Ian?
1: While you, you both were talking about the, the peaceful alternative, it got me thinking about Mon-El's arc. Would, I think it would have been neat to see him sort of become a prince for his people at the end. And maybe, I mean, the the Earthlings aren't going to have any relationships to negotiate with Daxamites, but Mon-El might know a lot of high-ranking people within the system of the Daxamite uh government and to to try to meet with them or coordinate or talk to them because uh, i personally have watched many episodes of madam secretary and there's an episode where (laughs) (laughs) are either of you madam secretary fans
2: i am not no i just like that you (laughs) like that you made
0: that reference though
1: yes well it's a very enjoyable show i highly recommend it and It has Tim Daly in it, and that's... Who is um, a
0: former Superman. Yeah,
1: and he constantly takes off his glasses throughout the show. Does he
0: really? That's hilarious.
1: Yes. But anyway, yeah, there's an episode where T. is trying to negotiate an issue with a... I forget which country it is in the Middle East, but they're going to be having free elections soon, and and the plan is that he's going to Retire and go away so they can elect a new leader. But the American senator, who's like his best buddy, gets a heart attack and passes away. So they don't have that relationship with that leader anymore. And so suddenly he's like, I'm not going to retire now. So they negotiate with a high ranking. they, They find a high ranking general to help them create that peaceful transition. So I wonder if Monel knows anybody that he could have worked with. I mean, I know he was asleep half the time when he was on <laughs> Daxam, but I'm curious about that, if he they could have found somebody else to sort of overthrow Rhea, because why should that one person be responsible for the death of everyone? I mean, they obviously didn't kill every Daxamite, but still.
0: Yeah, I always thought that that was where that was heading. That Monel would be. That's where I guess, at least, where I was hoping that was heading. Where Monel would uh, assume the throne, I guess, and, and become the prince who uh, sort of took took his people back under his wing, uh, un, under uh, the family's wing, but tried to make things better for the Daxmites. I, I thought that that would be uh, would have been a nice way to go, uh, but now he's in a pod, maybe in the Phantom Zone. We don't know. Uh, We don't know exactly where or when he is, uh, but... That I guess they at least for now haven't gone that route, but that seems like that would have been a good way to go about it, especially since the queen murdered the king. And there's all those kinds of you know, is there justice for his death? Um, and and what she did, so there's a lot of questions there about you know, how did the Daxamite people because some of the Daxamites did leave, they did get chased off planet Earth, so uh, there is still. Uh, a, a Daxmite community out there somewhere so what what happens to them uh who gets justice for the king's death so that there, there's a lot of good questions even with that um so i'm glad you brought that up anytime em do you think that supergirl does a good job of of dealing with issues of justice or do you think they could do a better job
1: well there's there's always room for improvement and and it is a superhero show that's primarily you know you're 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 meant to have have fun with the with the superhero situations but i think it does do a really good job overall with with questioning these different issues it, it doesn't just focus on the superhero personal drama and it doesn't hit you over the head with all these real life concepts but it it really explores a lot of issues in really interesting ways even if there are some ways like with the journalism stuff that I also felt like they could have explored in, 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 some, in some other ways. I, I do feel like overall it's a really interesting depiction of different issues related to justice.
0: All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for our discussion about the ways justice has been addressed on Supergirl. Uh, So thank you so much, Ian, for coming back to Supergirl Radio and sharing your thoughts on this topic. Uh, Where can our listeners find you on the internet?
1: You can find me on Twitter. at um, My handle is at Ian, I-A-N underscore Boucher, B-O-U-C-H-E-R. And I also post pretty frequently on the Humans and Paragons essays on Superhero justice Facebook page. Like I, I really am interested in hearing other people's thoughts and keeping this conversation going. so so, like every so often, i'll I'll post like a, a question or a thought about something. And so you can find me there as well.
0: And uh, you mentioned Humans and Paragons' uh, essays on superhero justice. Uh, where can, if our listeners want to read the essays and, and get the book, where can they find that?
1: Yeah, definitely. It's on Amazon, and there's a Kindle version and a print version, so whichever version you prefer. And and you can also find it at the publisher's website, which is sequart.org. That's s e q u a r t org, And you actually help them out when you buy it through them. But it, it's definitely available on Amazon as well.
0: And uh, I'm not just saying this because I wrote an essay that is in that book. But I, th- I think it's, it's, a, it's a wealth of uh, great essays in there. Um, a shout out to John who wrote one on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that was really fascinating to hear. I got to hear him talk about that at Raleigh Supercon and, and just to read some of the, the different topics that everybody, uh, you know, and the different superheroes and the different stories that people covered uh, from all around the world. It was really cool. It was really neat to see uh, and read how other people view these topics and, and view these heroes. So I definitely recommend it if you are interested in the topic. And if you would like to contact Supergirl Radio and share your thoughts on uh, Supergirl and the concept of justice and how the show handles the idea of it, uh, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. If you would like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Google Play and iHeartRadio. We have a playlist on Spotify, so definitely check that out. Uh, we are a, literally a Supergirl radio, so we've got some tunes there you can listen to. And we are also listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dc, dccomics.com forward slash dc-fans. And we are also available on iTunes and Stitcher, so if you've got some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write a review. We are part of the DC TV
2: podcast network, so if you also like Arrow... The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, iZombie, DC Films, Classic DC TV Shows, and the upcoming Black Lightning, Krypton, and Titan shows, you can subscribe to DC TV Podcasts on iTunes and follow at DC TV Podcasts on Twitter
0: and like DC TV Podcasts on Facebook. Unfortunately, Morgan couldn't be uh, with us for this episode, but uh, Carly, you... You assumed that uh, that role very nicely and, and in reading, <laughs> reading that big block of text uh, that always causes Morgan uh, some grief. So thank you for doing that. <laughs> Uh, and you can follow me on Instagram at the Derby Kid T H. That's T H E D E R B Y K I D. And you can watch videos of mine over at youtube.com dot slash Duck Prod. That's D U C K M I L K P R O D. I'm also on Twitter at at Derby Kid, uh, but I'm kind of taking a break. Every now and then, I just have to just swear off Twitter. Uh, I might be there for some Supergirl radio stuff, but uh, just kind of taking a break. Uh, you know, lower the stress levels. <laughs> uh, but you can, uh, like Ian mentioned, you can also read an essay I wrote about superhero justice. And uh, I, I kind of covered Batman, Superman, and uh, Black Canary and kind of interwove those uh, characters with some actual real life heroes. Uh, so you can check that out. Uh, that's Humans and Paragons Essays on Superhero Justice. Uh,
2: you can follow me on Twitter. <laughs> I'm still there. <laughs> uh- <laughs> Uh, for better or for worse uh, at my name, Carly Lane um, I am currently writing over at Nerdist getting ready to do some stuff for Game of Thrones finale this week which is crazy Uh, so look for that coming out and then I'm also writing over at Sci-Fi Wire, just had a piece come out uh, about a week ago about unlikable female characters and what the characters we don't like say about us so I'm I'm real fan of that and how it turned out. So if you want to check that out, you can. uh Pretty much just follow me on Twitter because that's where I post links to everything I write about. And apparently promote myself too much, which I will never apologize for. What? Ever. Yeah, someone how
1: is that possible?
2: Anonymously once was like, mm, I think mean, you share links to your work too much, and I was like, No, <laughs> it's your Twitter <laughs> like, account. I was like, I'm like a content shark. If I don't stop promoting myself, I die.
0: (laughs) Well, I, for one, am glad that you shared that unlikable female uh, character article that you wrote because that that was really good. And I I really appreciate it when somebody sticks up for Kate Austin from Lost. I really do. I I feel like... May, maybe at one time Rebecca Johnson gave Kate Austin a hard time. <laughs> I will admit to that, one hundred percent. Season three, <laughs> she had some some issues in season three, but I think she bounced back. I do. Season four onward, Kate was pretty a uh, kick butt, and uh, I will forever love. Uh, you saved me a bullet. That's one of the most awesome things anybody has ever said on a TV show uh, in the context of taking down a villain. Uh, Spoiler alert for Lost, by the way. Uh, But (laughs) I really, really appreciate somebody sticking up for Kate.
2: I always loved her. I think, I mean, I think the biggest argument that I saw a lot of people making was the reason they didn't like her was because they were just disappointed, like, over what could have been with her character, which I totally understand, and that's a perfectly legitimate reason, but then some people were just hating on her, because they were hating on her, and I was like, "Mm, maybe you need to, maybe you need to turn that inward and give yourself a good hard look at why.
0: Hold that (laughs) mirror mirror up to society.
2: Right? Hold that mirror up and... (laughs) Take a good hard look at your. Take a good hard
0: look at yourself. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd like to think that what we think about Kate Austin does say something about what we think about ourselves. I do. I, 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 I think that is. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm going to ruminate on that, uh, because it, sometimes it does. Uh, I a couple of years ago, I would go to DragonCon uh, lost panels. And I stopped going now because it's just a complete waste of my time, uh, if I'm being perfectly honest with you. Uh, But they would always start off negatively and it would usually start off as Kate sucks. Am I right? And I was like, are you serious? This is how we're to So uh, I I will stick up for Kate Austin. Um, I I think she is someone who who needs to be defended um, and you can quote me on that. Uh, But next time on Supergirl Radio, where where we will be talking about Supergirl, (laughs) uh, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. I'm still Carly Lane. And as James argues in truth, justice in the American way. Respecting and protecting fundamental human rights are what make us who we are.